Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. Now on 88.5 FM, the valley comes alive. And podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au. Okay, Talk and Power podcast, episode 57. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and 88.5 FM, where the valley comes alive. I'm here with co-host Todd Brinkworth, and I am Nick DeChembry. Todd, how are you? Not too bad. How about yourself, Nick? Very good, thanks, Todd. Very good. Hey, we've got a special guest coming in today. We've got drift sensation, Mitch Lana. He's just outside waiting to come in, so we'll have him in very, very soon. Looking forward to that. Yeah, sounds good. Before we get started, there's a new sound to Formula One. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, go on. I don't know if you've heard, but the FIA have mandated reversing buzzers on Formula One cars. Yeah, generally when you reverse things from from behind you. <laughs> Look, we don't mean to mock. We, we're not. We're not. We're not mocking Dan. We're just having a bit of bit of a light-hearted. Bit of a light-hearted joke at young Daniel Ricciardo. This uh, this race, uh, the Baku uh, Baku, sorry, uh, Azerbaijan Formula One race, which was just held. Um, interesting. It was an interesting race. Baku always throws up a fair few variables. However, I never thought we'd be reminiscing about strikes on the Bayswater overpass bridge. Yeah, that's correct. Formula <laughs> One. Now, for those of you that aren't aware of what I'm talking about, I will just just walk you through it, so to speak. So, young George Russell. Well, let's go back a step, actually. Charles Leclerc. Charles Leclerc during FP1, free practice one. Yep. Going down one of the straights, dislodges a manhole. Cover. Young George Russell in the Williams car goes over that cover and completely destroys the bottom of the Williams. It's completely destroyed. Okay, so they bring FP1 to a grinding halt. Now, to make matters worse, the um, local Baku <laughs> tool tray... <laughs> no, I can't straight face. No, I can't. This is, this, is, this, is, this is hilarious. It is funny. Come on. It is funny. I'm just waiting for the Benny Hill thing. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> I've got it. I've got it, but I won't play because we're not allowed to. I don't think. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so then we we have this. We have um, the local tilt tray Baku Baku tilt trays are us or Azerbaijan tilt trays. He he rocks up, picks up George's car with the high ab. Probably didn't get the high ab down low enough. Drives under one of the overpasses and absolutely. Smashes the high ab into the overpass and pours about 50 litres of hydraulic oil all over George's Russell's Williams car, which is no good. No. To say the least. So I don't know if you saw the video footage of Claire, young Claire Williams. She's not young anymore, but Claire Williams, not happy. No, not I just see that. Happy. And um, yeah, it wasn't a, a nice sight at all. Not happy at all. So they've got a, a Formula One car. They've had to do a chassis change, and they've had to clean out 50 litres of hydraulic fluid from every possible crevice and of that, that car. That smell, that smell, we all know it. That smell. And I know people are going to start thinking that this car's come out of some sort of workshop somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Cut and shut. 
Anyway, look, I had a, I, I don't mean to laugh about it. It's not funny, but it was it was quite funny anyway. Anyway, qualifying, we had uh, Robert Kubica um, go off at that turn 10. That turn 10 is, is sorry, not it was actually t- turn 8. My apologies, turn 8, not turn 10. Uh, Robert Kubica goes off there. Easy mistake to make. He's clipped the inside wall. That's throwing the car wide, hits the wall there at turn 8. There's this bit of sun there as well. But look, I mean, he clipped the inside wall before he got to any obstruction with the sun. So I'm not gonna, we're not going to let him off the hook. I think Charles actually had the GPS set for follow Robert Kubica. So not only have, are we mandating reversing buzzers and cameras, uh, it appears as though uh, Charles Leclerc had the GPS set for follow Robert Kubica and did exactly very similar thing in Q2. So the Ferrari was looking pretty ordinary at the end of Q2, Charles Leclerc's car. Anyway, Q3 came along. Uh, Hamilton went to number one with six minutes remaining. I think he called that one, probably pulled that one out a bit early because Valtteri had other things in mind and uh, rattled off, uh, qualified right on the closing session there. So it's really great to see. I don't know if you saw the start of the race. Uh, Valtteri and, and uh, Hamilton really put their elbows out. And it was quite interesting. These guys got really close to one another. I don't know if you saw it or had the... Yeah, I saw a little bit in the background doing some other things. And yeah, it was uh, the cars are very wide. You're knitting. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. But a lot of people say they'd prefer to be knitting than watching the Formula 1. No, I'm no, getting back into it. But, you know, slowly. <laughs> Look, he, uh, yeah, he did push Valtteri wide. But Valtteri uh, held his ground. And um, I, I'll take my hat off. You know, I've actually got... I got Valtteri wrong. I'm going to say it. I got him wrong. Because, you know, last year I was very critical of Valtteri during, during the season. And uh, I believe I've got him wrong. I honestly think he's the real deal this year. And he's going to push Hamilton to, you know, um, he's going to push Hamilton hard this year. Hamilton walked away with it last year, but I don't believe he will be able to do so so easily this year. Anyway, um, by lap 14, we had the first round of stops, stops. So you have to remember, however, Charles Leclerc had the mediums on because he had to, you have to run with your tyres at using Q2. So he had the mediums on. Now, a lot of teams were interested to know why he was able to change mediums. Well, that was because they got wrecked in the wreck. I mean, he wasn't able to put the same tyres on. He did put another set of mediums on, but a lot of teams raised their eyebrows thinking he should have had to put another spare of u- a set of used mediums on. If they haven't used another set of mediums, I, I think it's perfectly legit to use, I mean, new mediums, surely. Yeah, you'd think so, but... I, mean... I thought that was logical. I'm sure there'll be a uh, investigation to that somewhere. Or no, 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 no. Anyway, I just thought that was that was fairly logical. Anyway, so Leclerc was able to stay out. So they did the first round of stops, but Leclerc stayed out. He's on the mediums. The other guys are on the softs. So by lap 34, Bottas and Hamilton had actually caught him and actually passed him on lap 34. They pulled Leclerc in on lap 35 to change uh, to change tyres. Now, at lap 35, this is when we had the Coles car park incident, Okay. So lap 35, this is where it unfolds. Danny, both Dannys, Danny, Dan Ricardo and Danny Kvyat go off. I don't know what turn it was. Now, look, I mean, to be fair, um, you know, it was clear that those cars probably don't have the best vision looking backwards, I would suggest. Yeah, that's correct. (laughs) So he's, um, they're going to be mandating um, new mirrors 
on the um, Formula One cars that said objects may not appear in the mirror. <laughs> not be fair, truck mirrors. I reckon would be awesome. You know, a bit of aero, big truck mirror. Anyway, he's backed into Danny Kvyat. That put the end of their race for both of them. You know, Daniel was very apologetic this morning on, on lots of the media. But, you know, look, at the end of the day, mistakes happen. And he's our boy, so we're not going to mock him, are we? We're not. But on a side note, poor Daniel, um, get some new sunglasses, buddy. You don't like them? Oh, have you seen them? Oh, come on. Do you like his Renault commercials? Do I ha- yes, of course I do. No, you don't have to. You speak your mind, Todd. This is what we're here for. This is not a... We're not... No, they're not bad. But the Sunnies today, like, he's trying to apologise, and the Sunnies today just got me. I'm like, you know, John Lennon, we still here or what? <laughs> anyway, look, we'll... we'll get, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll... We'll put that one to the side. But, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, at the end of the day, we should be mandating... Um, yeah, let, let's leave that joke alone, eh? <laughs> We've thrashed that joke enough. Yeah, come on, Daniel. Just do better for us, please. Okay? That's better. Thank it's you. It's interesting that the, the progress of the Renault has not progressed anywhere near as fast as what we anticipated. But I did say at the start of the year, do not expect miracles. However, I am expecting them to be the best of the rest. And when I say the best of the rest, I mean the next tier down from Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. They should be challenging. You know, um, it was really good to see... Um, Sergio Perez up there last night. You know, how can we have a racing point on point, pardon the pun, over Renault? And even even um, Lando Norris as well in the McLaren really did well. And, you know, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a concern if I was over at Renault. Alain Prost would be feeling the heat now from the managing director of Renault, no doubt. Yeah, and also they'll probably say it next race, and you can quote me on this, wait for the summer break, we'll have a better car after that. Yeah, I think that, that the summer break is not till August, so that's a, there's a long way between now Trust and me, August. Trust me, they'll say at the next round, <laughs> wait for the summer break, we'll have a better car. You watch. Look, we always knew that the Ferrari was problematic, but I'm still concerned that we're not, that we're, you know, it, it's not looking like as the best of the rest. They should be challenging McLaren. They should be well ahead of McLaren, and even Haas as well. Anyway, we, we digress. Uh, Pierre Gasly, lap 39, blew a transmission. So, well, that's what they thought it was. Um, and at the same time, um, speaking of Haas, Grosjean retired from the... Grosjean, Romain Grosjean retired from the race as well. So that was interesting to see. Lap 42, we had the virtual safety car out um, as a result of... Um, no, sorry, lap 39, the virtual safety car came out. By lap 42, it was gone again. By lap 48, Hamilton was really starting to challenge Valtteri. And I've got to say, once again, I've got him wrong. So my apologies, Valtteri, if you're listening. I'm sure he is. Not. <laughs> um, I've got you wrong, and it's great to see you up there. He's, he, he took the challenge from uh, Lewis. Lewis actually made a mistake on the last second last lap. But what I really love about the new Formula One, uh, the new rules, is the fastest lap you get an extra point. So Ferrari took the challenge on lap 48, brought Leclerc in. There was no chance he was going to lose, drop a position. He had fifth cemented, brought him in, put a set of another softs on, right, threw him out there to get the fastest lap of the race because Hamilton had it up until that stage. You know the moment they did that, they were on the radio to Hamilton saying Leclerc is going for the fastest lap. It threw a new dimension. It's not a huge dimension. It's not a huge thing. But I just think it adds another facet to the race. And I like the fact that these guys are going for the fastest lap. Yeah, it's uh, 
something different to see. Thank you know, they're, yeah. they're trying to run numbers. We're talking drag racing now, you know? They're trying to run a number. Didn't they also do that in NASCAR for a while? You used to get... Yes, um, that's yeah. correct, yeah. Todd. Very good. Well, thank you. <laughs> but but I, I really like it, and I think it's added a new dimension. Anyway, Lewis... Um, he made a little mistake on the second last lap and anyway at the end of the day Valtteri won and hats off to Valtteri uh, you're doing so well driver of the day was Charles Leclerc and I thought it was quite a fitting um, fitting result for him so Mitch he's going to be coming in right after the break so don't go anywhere if you're listening to us yep at home stay right where you are or in the car keep driving because we've got Mitch Lana right outside waiting to come in We'll have him right after the break. Okay, as promised, we've got Mitch Lana in the studio, Drift Sensation. Mitch, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me on uh, for the second time now. Um, yeah. yeah, it's good to be back on the show. Glad to have, have uh, to come back and... Yeah, give you guys a bit more of insight into what we've been doing for the last few months and since the last time we spoke. Yeah, we probably should have added that as well. I mean, we've we've had you on the podcast before. I think it was episode 48 from memory or 47. But if you look back, if you go back to our podcast, we had a big, long chat about lots of things back then. But we want to get you back in because since then you've done so many things. But before we go what you've done just recently, a lot of our listeners are new to new to this radio program and podcast so if you can just recap on the island experience and what led up to getting yourself over to Ireland yep so um, just to start it off um, obviously um, as you just uh, announced my name's Michelana I'm a 23 year old privateer um, motorsport um, race car driver I, um, I mainly focus on drifting um, I do branch out to other things as well my family's known for drag racing go-karting and all that stuff so I'm not just a one-minded driver I do like to do all different things and um, obviously do compete in um, circuit racing stuff like that as well when I get the opportunity um, so starting from the beginning um, here locally I'm a four-time West Australian champion um, I've won three seasons of D1WA and one season of uh, Drift Car. Um, I've been actively competing here for the last six or seven years now. Um, obviously, I'm only 23, so I started quite young. Um, but yeah, so from there, once I got my fourth championship, um, I decided, you know, obviously we need to make another step forward, um, try and keep motion going, try and keep up with everything we're doing. And um, that's when we turned our attention to Ireland. Um, a lot of people probably think of like, why would you go to such a little country that no one really talks about or anything like that? But um, Ireland is actually the home of one of the biggest championships in the world. Mm. And uh, if you see on Facebook, they've renamed their brand now to Drift Games. Um, it yep. used to be called the IDC. Um, but yeah, so it's one of the biggest championships in the world. Um, there's former Drift, IDC, BDC and Drift Masters. That's uh, the main live streamed events that everybody knows about. And um, affordability, accessibility and making stuff happen and work, um, we chose to, to go with Ireland. Um, I was lucky enough to go over there for one round in 2016 to try and meet new people, um, build a base and you know start from, start from scratch in another country. And uh, while I was there, we didn't get any good results or anything like that. We were driving a car we never drove that was undeveloped for a pro class and, and whatnot. So made the most of uh, meeting the right people, talking to the right people, and um, lucky enough, I became good friends with uh, Richard at Bradley Motorworks. 
And he said to me right before I left, he's like, if you want to build a car, you can come here. We'll look after you. You can have the workshop. You can do what you need to do. Hmm. So in the six months we had in between that and um, having the time to actually get the car ready, me and my dad made a plan. My dad's uh, Dubbo Performance, for those that uh, know who that is. Um, they're based um, in Bibber Lake, and they work on LS-based Commodores, Nissans, anything with an LS engine. Um, and so, yeah, all my cars are all LS engine, V8. Um, so it's a lot to cram in in a couple of seconds and minutes just to, to get you guys to know who I am. But, yeah, so long story short, we spent six months um, preparing to go to Ireland to build a new car. And um, in 14 days, we built a car from scratch to a full competitive pro um, championship racing car that um, we actually got fifth in the season overall for my first season. So first season competing out of Australia, first season on semi-slicks, first season with over 600 horsepower. And obviously, yeah, just everything completely different bowl game. Mm. Never, never had anything to do with something like that or level of um, competition like that. Yeah. I mean, just just to cut in here. So you've gone. A, a mutual friend of ours, Wayne, actually introduced. He said he got he put me onto you, and this was in July of last year. And I started following you then, and then we caught up later in the year. But I couldn't believe the amount of commitment that you made to to the Ireland Championship. I think you know, even when we spoke last year, she um, we built the engine here, okay. and then we sent the engine over. Sorry, yeah, and we bought a shell there, and then. Yep. Um, yeah, me and my dad worked flawlessly for 14 days to, to build the car from nothing to just what what we could do here. Yeah. Um, we got we ran a sequential gearbox and stuff like that, which we got through URM Sport over in Ireland. Mm. So we didn't have to worry about the gearbox or things, but yeah, we, the main thing was getting the engine there. Yeah. Um, that engine's not very common over there. So um, we actually we built a, a little crate um, which had two engines, a mm. LS2 NA combo and a um, LSA, which yep. was a six, well, they're like a 6.2 litre with a supercharged engine from factory. Mm-hmm. Same thing, untested, unused. We, know, we didn't know anything about it at the time. So we just sort of had the mentality of, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll try and, on, on paper, the, the engine setup looked perfect. Um, yeah. had, had reasonable amount of power, good torque, everything like that. More than what we've had before, so really can't really go backwards a little bit more. Mm. Um, especially when you're running semi slicks, new country, you want to have the little bit of upper hand and stuff like that when it comes to power. Yep. Um, but yeah, we got a pretty much a bare shell off a X Drifter. With 14 days, obviously we didn't really have time to go into fabricating the chassis, going all out like that. So we had to had to bite the bullet and bite a car that was already semi complete. Um, the car had actually been running the seasons um, before we actually got it. Um, but he had engine dramas the whole time he had it, so he, um, yeah, gave us. Well, when we bought the car, it was basically just a shell, no mm. engine, no box, no suspension, nothing. Um, obviously, to put the LS in, we had to do our own fabricating, new uh, subframes, new everything. Um, so yeah, we pretty much had a full car overhaul and rebuild from from ground up in 14 days. So yeah, it's yeah. pretty much yeah, same thing. Like I said, it's a lot of dedication. It was it it's was huge. It was majorly huge, and I mean. I don't think my dad was the same for a couple of months after we had to <laughs> get back to our feet when we came home. But, um, yeah, no, it was definitely an experience, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I actually caught up with your dad in December at um, at the Motorplex at another event there, and we had a good chat. But, yeah, I was, I seriously was in awe, still am, at what you did over there in Ireland. So just quickly, in Ireland, you went, you did quite well over there. I think you won an event from no, memory so- or came second to... 
Yeah, so the first year we were, I started Carl's built in 14 days, so we couldn't really expect it to work straight out of the box. But we were just chasing our tails the mm. whole first season. Um, we still got fifth overall in the championship, yep. which was quite good. You know, there's people been driving for a long time that dream of a result like that. And um, it's hard when you, you put a lot on the line and you have big expectations and stuff like that. And the first season did hit us quite hard. Obviously, we were wanting a result, mm. at least a podium. Um, many times in the season, it looked like we were going to make it to the podium. And then we've had a car drama or, you know, driver fault or yeah. something like that. Uh, something small and silly. But like any motorsport, um, for drifting, you know, if you're not, if you don't have the consistency or reliability, all those things add up, and it all plays a big part in it. And um, yeah, so that's where after the first season, we took a step back, made a plan, and then because the car was already together, we didn't have to go rebuilding or anything like that. Um, Coming into the second season, we were a lot more confident. We felt like we could iron out all the issues that we needed to iron out. Yep. Still minimal driving time and stuff like that in it. And I don't have a car here that's anything remotely close to it, so I mm. couldn't really practice as such. Um, but, yeah, so we come into the second season. Um, we were still running the Westlake, same tyres we were running the year before, so everything was still pretty much identical, just all the little gremlins were sorted. And uh, first round we rocked out and we got third place on the podium. Yep. Um, we had a clutch issue in the first round, which uh, started playing up in the top four. So for drifting to get to um, the podium, it's a top 32 battle tree. Um, so top 32, then top 16, top 8, top 4, and then final. In the top four, if you lose the battle, you fight for third. And if you win, you go through the finals where mm-hmm. you fight for first. Um, so yeah, in my battle in the top four, we lost the battle due to the clutch started slipping, uh, which then I was prepared for it. And then lucky enough, when we come into the battle for third, um, nobody actually knew about the clutch slipping and the guy rolled up to the line not knowing that my car was damaged and then he ended up bailing out on the entry because he oh. had car issues as well. Yeah. So luckily enough, it was more of who, who played the bigger bluff. Yeah. And um, yep. I still threw it into the corner and made it around the track where he had to pull off and, and pull yeah. out. So lucky enough, we got our first podium. And then from there, I think that was just the, the little chip on the shoulder we had to just get over mm. um you know it's a, it's a big thing traveling that far away all the pressure of wanting yeah. to do well for your family and friends and sponsors and mm. obviously everybody watching at home too it's all live stream you know, yeah. there's a lot of supporters on live stream for me when, when i was over there so to finally get a result was good um and then from there we actually podiumed every single round for the rest of the season um we didn't get a win um but yeah it was pretty cool to Pretty much every round, same thing. We actually had issues every single round. Um, round two, we blew the motor to pieces. Like There was not one bit of the motor that was salvageable. Um, then, yep. obviously, being so far away from home, we didn't know what to do then. Yeah. Um, we actually built a bottom end over here, and we took it as luggage. That's right. I was just yeah. about to say, I do remember that. That's the one that went in the suitcase, the yeah. crank, and yes. Yep, so I didn't pack any clothes for that one. We just uh, backed engine parts and sent it all over, and... Um, we managed to get that back together. We only spent six days to put a fully assemble an engine, fully put it in the car, tune it, do everything, and it was a completely different combo as well. So, yeah. same thing. While we had very limited time, we tried to make the most of what we time we did have, yeah. and we changed the combo a little bit. We knew where my old engine had its faults and where it had its perks, and we tried to build something that re- remained with the perks, but also got rid of the the you know the negatives of that combo. And then from there, it actually made a big difference for us. Um, we come into the into the third round. We changed tyres as the Cenos. Um, we had the new complete different engine set up, and we managed to rock out and get second. Mm. Um, same thing, we, we broke the tail shaft in practice, had no practice at all. Completely different layout that we've never driven before. Obviously, new tyres, big thing as well for us. 
Um, but yeah, we managed to pull it together, qualified second, or yeah, qualified second and finished second. And um, yeah, then round four, we had clutch issues again. Yeah. Absolutely rained and poured. Managed to get to the finals with a slipping clutch again. And then round five, we finally got there. And um, uh, round five is known as Japfest. That's where all the international drivers come to. It's the biggest fan of the year. Mm. And um, yeah, we come in felt feeling really good like we, we had all we knew we had to do was change the clutch so we bought a, a brand new clutch uh, thanks to wildcat racing they supplied a triple disc massive clutch like it was unbelievable it come in a little suitcase and everything it looks looks amazing <laughs> um straight away put it in the car felt awesome and you know we only did i think it was two or three practice laps and it was the best practice laps we've done ever in the competition over there and um yeah it was such a crazy field full of competitors from all around the world we um we didn't qualify too well because we broke the diff in, in um, the last lap of practice. So it actually yep. shattered the diff. So we pulled the diff apart, got it fixed in half an hour, put it all back in, managed to get a run in, qualified mid-pack, and then um, went all the way through to top four where we met James Dean. Um, mm. James Dean, for those who don't know, is uh, one of the world's probably most uh, well-known drifters. Um, two-time former drift champion and um, yeah, competes all over the world nearly once a week all the time. So. Yeah. To meet him, um, it's obviously quite a privilege because obviously he's he's a man to beat. So we wanted to see where we matched up. Unfortunately, on the run that we had, um, the run before, the guy split his radiator or a coolant line or something, put water all over the track. No one let us know, and um, oh. I come in full pelt behind him, trying to keep up with him, and um, yeah, had or well, looped the car out. Pretty much nothing I could do, and um, yeah, it was all over from there. But then obviously we got to fight for third and managed to get third place. So we got on the podium for the final round. And then um, the Sunday was Drift Masters. So it was a joint event, Drift Masters and um, IDC. And then um, we qualified, got into Drift Masters. And then uh, in the top 32, we were second in the championship. Um, the person that was second in the championship, sorry. Um, we managed to beat him after one more time. And so once we knew we could take out the guy coming second in the championship, obviously we had a real contention for taking out Driftmasters. And uh, sure enough, my top 16 battle was James Dean again. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like a redemption. You know? yeah. um, on Saturday, all I wanted to do was verse him on Sunday because there was only one person I felt like I wanted to beat that I didn't get the chance to properly. And um, it poured right before we um, went out for our run. And um, it was a very controversial ba- uh, battle. If you go through and watch it, there's a lot of unhappy fans that I know I have that were like, I don't think it should, um, that he should have got the win. I was but, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know anything Likewise. about drifting, but I, I, I said it in the other interview, I, I felt like you won that myself. But Yeah, so unfortunately, you know, that's motorsport. Um, yeah, there's not, you know, you, you, you don't complain when you get the lucky wins. Mm. You just got to take it on the chin and then yeah. hope the next time you can be the person on the lucky end. Yeah. But, um, like I said, the, the experience was unreal. Um, you know, it's a podium every single round. We just missed out on the championship by like 15 points. Yeah. Um, luckily enough, the guy that actually won the championship won the first four rounds, and that's why he had the head start on us. Yeah. Um, yeah. But with all the mechanical issues, being so far from home, a privateer team, no support, nothing like that, mm. um, I think that's a really big achievement for me and, and my team and my dad and everything like that. So, yeah, it's cool to put Australia on the map to another country. And, um, the amount of fans I gained and the, even the ones I've had since the beginning, um, it's awesome to go over there and put on a show for them and give mm. them something to look forward to on the weekends as well. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Hey, we want to talk a bit more about um, how you went from there to the US. So we'll take a short break here and we'll be back right after this.
All right, welcome back to the Talking Power podcast, also on 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive. We are here with Mitch Lana and Todd Brinkworth, my co-host. So, uh, Mitch, uh, we just had a good wrap-up from yourself about uh, Ireland and how you got to where you are right now. So, uh, you've recently been to the US. Uh, how did that all come about? Um, yeah, so, to be honest, um, I'll try and start from the top. Uh, coming into this year, after six seven years of um, active, actively drifting here and overseas. Um, it was probably the most shakiest beginning of the year. Um, I had no plans. Um, most people start putting a program to get, uh, together halfway through the year. Um, unfortunately, at the moment, times are a bit tough with uh, sponsors I'm finding at the moment. And um, we just had no support at all after last year, even coming second in the championship. And... Um, yeah, you know, it was just, it was kind of playing it by ear, waiting for people that we spoke to to sort of hopefully come through. Um, unfortunately, yeah, like I say, motorsport's tough, you know, if anybody could do it, they would. Um, but for me, you know, I've been a privateer now for seven to eight years now. Um, you know, it's just, I'm just trying to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until we can get to where we, we want to be. Um, and that's where all the commitment and the dedication to Ireland and stuff like that come from. Um, you know, it, there's no real written way about how to make it in this sport or any sport, I don't think. And, um, you know, we're just trying to do everything we can to get there. But so this year, um, pretty much I decided to step back from drifting here in Australia. Um, you know, that's one of the things you can sort of spend all your money trying to do everything and, you know, get lots of driving and obviously get better and better. And any experience and driving experience is good. But I just had to take a, a bit of a sacrifice and, and step back from the drifting here to allow a bit more time for organisation, logistics and obviously financial um, side of things as well. Um, so, yeah, this year we... Um, there was sort of everything was in the air. It didn't actually look like we are going to go anywhere. And then um, at Driftmasters last year and IDC in the final round, as I said, there was a lot of international drivers and I met uh, Forrest Wang. Um, we sort of stayed in contact a little bit in the in the off season and over the last couple of months in the beginning of the year, and um, I sort of just thought to myself, I wonder if he'd let me borrow his car if I asked him because he's got a couple of cars, and um, yeah, I sort of uh, had a bit of a chat to him. We sort of made out a deal, and then I was like, oh, well, well, you know, getting second in the championship last year in IDC actually gained me a license for uh, pro class in former drift. Um, there's two classes there in Formula Drift, um, Pro 1 and Pro 2. Um, for Pro 1, we, um, you know, it was a big step for us. Formula Drift is the pinnacle of uh, drifting in, in mm, the world. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, for me as well, you know, we spent two years in Ireland and same as what I did when I first went to Ireland. I didn't want to go backwards anymore or stay at the same, at the same rate. So, obviously, from IDC, it was like, it's, from the way I feel that the championships work in the world is it's IDC, Drift Masters, and then Formula Drift. And when you're at Formula Drift, you know that's where that's where everybody knows. Like anybody who does knows anything about drifting, they know about Formula Drift. Yeah. And so for me to make it at Formula Drift, it's it was it seemed unreachable. Um, the budget for that sort of stuff's crazy. You know, it's same as Ireland, same as anywhere you go. If you don't have any any hookups or any resources or any sponsors or anything like that, it's it's near on impossible. Um, with a lot of planning, a lot of logistics and stuff like that. Um, and lucky enough, some of the people I met on the way, um, like, you know, even stuff for people that give you advice or help, um, even same thing. I was talking about James Dean before. We're actually quite good friends with his brother, Mike. Um, he's given me a lot of advice, tips, contacts, stuff like that. Um, 
talking to him and Dean Carney, another competitor there, um, obviously Forrest Wayne, like I just brought up, these sorts of people sort of gave me the insight that I didn't have before, gave me the advice, the knowledge, and obviously Forrest gave me the car. Um, obviously all paid for. Um, we know it wasn't free. We had to we had to financially set that up. Yeah. But, yeah, so like I said, it was all up in the air. And, um, yeah, it was a matter of do we do a couple of rounds of IDC again or do we do a couple of rounds of Drift Masters or former Drift? And I sort of just had to look at it all. What's the big picture here? Um, you know, do you want to do the same things or be known for the same stuff? Or, you know, where do you go? And like I said, being the pinnacle of the sport, I knew where I wanted to go. It was just going to be a matter of whether we, we could get there. Mm. Um, so, yeah, we, we tossed, tossed up all the ideas. And while we probably could have got a couple more rounds out of doing IDC or something again um, with the budget it costs to do Formula Drift, um, I took a risk and I decided that we're going to go to Formula Drift and compete in the biggest series in the world, try and get my name on the map, hopefully make a good impression. Unfortunately, we didn't really get the result that I was looking for. Um, I think an impression was still made, but... I think, like anything you do, you have to work at it. And, um, yeah, unfortunately now, kind of the budget's blown now, but hopefully we can get some sponsors together and head back there and, yeah. um, you know, see what we can do from there. But, you know, it was cool to go to, to America. Um, I'll say to get to Ireland, we had to meet a lot of people and it needed a lot of resources. And I'll say it was, it was unachievable to get to Ireland without Richard's help. Unfortunately, mm. we just don't have that yet in America because you've got to be there to meet those people. Yeah. Um, so we made the jump while using other people's knowledge and experience mm. to try and sort of get around that gate of not really knowing anything, um, which worked out. We got to compete. We got to have fun. Got to meet a lot of people. But yeah, now it's just going back to the drawing board and trying to work out what we can do from here. Yeah. So yeah, you, you, you mentioned Forrest Wang before. So he's a... Let's get this right. He owns Get Nuts... Um, Get Nuts Laboratory in Las Vegas. So he's actually a privateer in the in the series. Correct me if I'm wrong. And but he's, uh, yeah, he's a he's a veteran of the sport. Definitely, he's um, I think he's 36 years old. Yeah, he's been doing drifting for a long time. Um, he is quite a privateer. He likes to promote his company, um, which is yeah, like I said, Get Nuts Lab. Um, very cool shop. Obviously, we've got to spend a bit of time there, and mm. um, that's where I met Forrest. Um, the thing I like about him, he's a lot like me. You know, we, we're very stylish with our cars, with our driving style. He also builds his cars himself. He doesn't give, get anybody else to build it for him. Everything they do in the house except for the tuning, um, which is exactly like me and my dad. You know, yeah, I yeah. do all the fabrication on my work, uh, on my cars. I do all the all the work I can do. And um, my dad does the other. If I, anything I can't do, my dad can do. And anything mm -hmm. my dad can't do, I can do. So yeah. he's, um, he's sort of stepped back from his business side of things, I believe. Um, he's not working... With like an open door anymore he helps out his mates and stuff like that and maybe sort of the the special jobs but um now like for what drifting is in america and what the series takes from you you have to be committed mm. if you don't if you don't be serious with it you're not committed with it then i don't think it works yeah okay yeah. um the way the championship works you know the first round was in long in long beach for those who don't know what america's like um the second round was in florida Florida's on the other side yeah, of the country. Yeah, so basically yeah. Perth to Sydney. Yeah, even, probably even further, further actually. And then yeah. Some. Yeah. 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 yeah, and so the series sort of operates on big distances and short time frames. Like it was only three weeks in between the first round and the second round to get to Florida. So, mm. you know, if you trash the car or you need work or anything like that, you got to fix the car and then travel a week to get to where yeah. you got to go. And obviously, if you want to do it competitively and do it right, you have to be on the bowl. You have to put a lot of time into your program. Um, 
He's definitely 100% a privateer. He runs a team himself. He's got a small group of people with him. Um, there's definitely more, I guess, uh, full-time race teams, sort of the crazy sort of stuff um, mm. that are a lot different to the way he operates. But, yeah, it's all the same goal in the end. Yeah. So at that Long Beach event, you got five laps of practice in, but, and then I think in one of the rounds, I saw you on the video, you just slightly tagged the wall. So tagging the wall, that I thought it was really minor, but that's obviously... Mark marks you down considerably, is that correct? Uh, it depends on how you hit the wall, um, what section of track it is and whatnot. Um, Long Beach is all outside clipping points. The clipping points are walls, so yeah. the idea is to get as close as you can or if you can, rub it without affecting the car. Um, it's the same thing. It's another part of the conversation which could go on for ages, but um, with the way the car's set up, you know they run just like drag cars, uh, tube front ends, and we also run tube rear ends, mm. um, full collapsible rear ends um, so that way you, you know you take the wall you don't write the whole car off um, some people build their cars a bit more cushioned in the back some people build them firm uh, Forrest's cars are built firm with a solid bash bar around right around the edge of the bumper whereas if you look at the well, I guess people won't be able to see unless they go look for themselves but the Mustangs the RTRs in, the, in that series they don't really run a rear bash bar so they can put a foot of their whole rear end in the wall without actually affecting their line Oh, okay. Whereas, That's interesting. I yeah. didn't know that. There you go. So, yeah. Yeah. Whereas my car had a bash bar right on the back bumper, so I just scraped the wall, which hit the bash bar, which affected the line of the car. Um, my score didn't really get marked down, I don't think, in qualifying mm. from tagging the wall. Um, I say it's outside clipping point, and I was there. I just rubbed it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it depends on the severe of the hit, how much it affects the car. Mm. If you don't have a bash bar on the back, how far it goes into the car, yeah. etc. You know, it all comes down to what the judges disclose in that. Yeah. Okay. All right. One of the other questions I think Todd had as well was, I mean, you go, you've been driving right hand mm-hmm. all along. Yep. This car is left hand. Yeah. Now, yep. for those driving a normal car, it's hard enough to get into a left hand drive car, and that's just driving down the street. Yeah. This is completely different challenge as well i mean how difficult was it to get the your your head around and the controls to a left-hand drive vehicle Um, especially when you're drifting to be honest like i said i i didn't struggle with the drifting side of things um we i was fortunate enough to get i got four laps in a vegas drift event a couple weeks before long beach um where i managed to break the diff straight away so (laughs) i didn't really get that much practice in it um, but at least got to feel the car and what it was sort of capable of. Then when we came back, um, I got four tyres at um, another racetrack at Willow Springs, um, north of uh, Long Beach. I think it's about two-hour drive. Um, and there, obviously, we got to feel the car a bit more, get a bit more comfortable left-hand drive. A lot of people sort of just psyched me out a little bit because obviously I wanted to hear what other people's opinions were that were good drivers from the driven left-hand drive coming from right-hand drive. And they were saying what they thought was the hardest part. I jumped in it and I was like, mm, what they said was hard wasn't that hard. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I tried to keep an open mind about it when I first jumped in it. And, um, you yeah. know, there's no point trying to psych yourself out about it. You can't know until you feel it. And then yeah. you'll know if you've got it or you don't when you drive it. And um, it was difficult, especially getting into a track. For those that don't know what the track's like, the track is literally a street course on the beach um, in Long Beach. Um and every corner has a wall. Um, a lot of the, the first two corners are completely blind. You can't see around it. Um, and it's just full commitment. And like I say, the, the clipping points are on the walls, so you have to have the back bumper on the walls at 100 k's an hour, full pelt sideways. And mm. um, the thing that I learned that was the hardest was obviously 
you know, I can I can drift a car, I can slide a car, drive a car, whatever. But when it came to putting the back bumper on the wall, the biggest thing I noticed was I didn't know where the right, like the rear bumper was on that opposite side of the car from jumping left to right. Okay. Yeah. And um, I was sort of, it's hard to explain, I guess, but you know, if you drive a normal car down the road and then you jump, like and you normally drive right-hand drive and you jump in left-hand drive car, you'll find if you drive down a highway, you hit all the little cat's eyes on the mm-hmm. right-hand side because you keep veering across to where you think is the center of the car. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, that's the biggest thing I noticed was obviously being outside clipping point zones again, like I said, on the walls. There was a, um, you have to, one part of the track is you have to go from one wall on the left to one wall on the right straight away with no hesitation. And every time I was transitioning, I was about a foot off the wall on the right-hand side. And it was just purely because I didn't know where the back of the car was. And obviously, I didn't want to go swing it and take out the back of the car. Mm. Um, but yeah, they just it just took muscle memory, doing the same thing consistently and then just pushing a little bit wider every single time. But we got there in the end. Um, on on Saturday, once it was competition day, um, I watched all my videos that night, worked out where I was at, and then first thing in the morning, the first thing I did was try and push out a bit wider and get yeah. where we needed to be. And um, yeah, it worked out. We had a good day. Um, we didn't get past our first battle. The the engine actually suffered a valve issue. Um, a lot of people didn't didn't hear about that because um, I didn't really post anything about it because it was still a bit of driver error in it. And mm. um, yeah, you, there's no point complaining. I think when you lose. It is what it is. It's motorsport. We can't yeah. win them all. And yeah, um, yeah in the in our battle, we um, I say it burnt out a valve on cylinder number four, and um, yeah, it was just slowly getting weaker and weaker every run. And uh, coming into our battle, it started misfiring on my chase run, and then coming to the hairpin where I come a bit short, I um, yeah ran out of legs coming into the corner, and then I knew there was nothing we could do to fix it, so I went around for my second run. And initiation onto the first corner, it started flatlining and it was just getting worse and worse. We managed to finish out the run, but even if we got through our battle, um, I don't think it would have mattered because the car wouldn't have been able to do another run anyway yeah, without, okay. without severely damaging the engine. But yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, we'll take another break here and we'll be back. When we come back, actually, I want to talk about, you, you mentioned it before, Willow Springs. It's one of my favorite tracks and yep. I, not many people know much about Willow Springs. So we'll take a break and we'll come back and talk about that. Okay, we're back here with Mitch Lana to Talk and Power podcast, episode 57. Also here with Todd, our co-host. One of the things you said just before the break, Mitch, was the Willow Springs. Now, I've never been there myself, um, but I've seen it. I follow uh, Adam Carolla on CarCast, and he races a lot of vintage, historic vintage cars there. And I've followed a number of his races there, and I thought, geez, I'd love to race there one day. It's, it looks like an awesome track with heaps of elevations, and it looks difficult. It actually looks challenging. Uh, can you talk us through a little bit about Willow Springs? I know it's a sort of off-topic, but I, I, I'm curious. Yeah, so um, there's a bit of a drive out there. Um, the traffic in uh, California is a bit crazy, no matter what time or wherever you go. And um, I think, yeah, like I was saying earlier, it's about two hours to get there but the distance was only like 150k so with traffic it just made it quite difficult to get out there um but yeah once you're there it's it's unreal like the the availability of the track how much room there is what it's actually built on it's built on sort of like a mountain hill um the the elevation in the track's not man-made it's actually just built on a hill um the main track is massive we didn't get to drift on it unfortunately um we sort of 
had to keep like while it's cool to experience a new track i had to sort of remember what we were there for not go spastic and try and break the car or anything like that or do anything we didn't need to do mm. um so they've got i think they've got like five or six different tracks there yeah. um we first started off at the speedway track um it's like a literally a speedway track with um like a slip through through the center of the oval um we did a bit of practice down there um practicing gear changing so obviously it's opposite hand um with the handbrake and the and the gears so we wanted to get a bit of practice with that once we were happy with that and we saw where the car was at my um tuner and mechanic that i brought with me um mike dino from um Dubai racing developments mm -hmm. he um come on board with us this year as well for former drift um and he come over obviously my dad is a ls based um engine builder and car tuner and stuff like that so the car was 2j um yeah. Yeah. six cylinder so we um yeah i sort of mike's been doing all my six cylinder turbo stuff that i've done in the past and um yeah it seemed viable to bring somebody that knew stuff like that on the back of their hand so he come with us and he had his laptop with him and was making sure everything was in check and made sure the car was responding the way it could and any changes that needed to be made they were made um, from there, we then went up to Balcony, which is another track, um, sort of like a big open skid pad with, a, with like a little couple of slip roads in there as well. Um, and yeah, that was uh, a cool experience just to drive on two different tracks in one day. Um, and same thing, just sort of let loose, fill the car out and whatnot. But yeah, the venue, the venue there is amazing. Um, sort of out in the middle of nowhere, mm, but yeah, I mean, when you go all that way, sort of get to experience a different part of America, new tracks, like that's the biggest thing for me. Like I love driving at new tracks and new cars, yep. new everything, you know, it's, it's sort of what makes you want to keep trying new and different things. Mm, certainly, so. certainly. Shout out to your dad. I've known your dad for many years and yourself, Mitch. I haven't seen you for a while, but uh, anyway. Oh, and your mother, don't forget your mother, she'll kill me. Um, how hard do you need to work for him to keep him going on these trips or does he do it you know, partly for love, or is there some backyard deals going on? You it's know, all for, it's all for love, Todd. Yeah, <laughs> nah, I'm paying lots of money to come with me. <laughs> nah, um, nah, I think honestly, yeah, anyone who knows my dad or anyone that gets him to do work for him or anything like that, they know how much of a legend he is. I mean, I know he's my dad, I'm going to be biased to it anyway, but I don't know one person that dislikes my dad for everything he does for everybody. Um, yeah, he's helped me through absolutely everything in the whole eight years I've been doing this, and yeah, I, I don't think there's no, nothing I can say or do that will ever stop him from helping me. Um, yeah, I'm a bit unbearable at times when it comes to the tight situations when we're away. And uh, we've managed to get through it. And sometimes I wonder how we did. But, um, yeah, as, you, as you'd know, you know, when you're in motorsport, some absolute crazy things can happen, um, you know, on and off the track. Mm. And, um, yeah, you know, like obviously like anybody, it's a dream to have a big race truck, you know, big team everybody putting hands in but you know for the last four years we've been doing international stuff and like heavy competing here in australia um we've had no team it's just been me and my dad and um you know we've had you know i'm still grateful for the people that have helped along the way that have jumped in here and there yeah. and um you know i've had a couple of mates come with us overseas and stuff and help us here and there as well um but yeah my, my team is me and my dad and you know like i say well it's cool to try and have more hands on deck you also need to have reliable hands on deck um you need to have someone who knows what they're doing it's a lot of stress for my dad to have to work hard behind the scenes you know he doesn't get any fame for it or anything like that doesn't get noticed um but yeah the, you know the person that's running around like headless shooks him you know mm. i'm the one out on the track having fun and yeah. um you know he tunes the car he 
puts the wheels and tires on when I come in. He puts the fuel in. He he does everything, you know. And um, that's one of the things I've always one thing I've I've struggled with, you know. It's a bit hard to show everybody else what what it takes to be at this level. Um, in former drift, you actually couldn't do it without any crew. Um, you know, you actually have to have a hot pit. You can't take your car back to pits between battles or anything like that. You know, you got to be able to change your wheels and tires in five minutes and fuel up and check the car and everything. So. In Ireland, me and Dad were the only people doing that. Um, you know, a lot of people you'll see, like... I mean, as a driver, you'd probably be a lot better of a driver if you could just sit in the car, put your helmet on, think about what you're doing, think about nothing else. Yeah. But that was the other thing, you know. Like I said, we broke the car every single round in Ireland for that second season and the first season. And every run, after every run, I'd be out of the car, checking the engine, changing the wheels, changing the tyres, changing fuel, everything we had to do. And... Um, yeah, he was the one behind the scenes as well, helping me and going even crazier than me. Um, mm. And like I said, we, even at the last round of IDC last year, we broke a diff in the last lap of practice. We were literally the last car for the last lap of practice and the diff shattered. We had the diff out in literally 15 minutes and then, um, yeah, we had another team help us with the, with the parts they had. Slapped another diff together, put it back in and um, made it out for qualifying just in time. Um, you know, that sort of stuff... That's why I think drifting's really cool. You know, yeah. um, V8 supercars, you break something, you're out of the race. Yeah. Game over. Yeah. Drifting, you sort of, you can build any car you want. You can bring whatever team you want. You can bring whatever style you want. You can drive how you want. You just got to please the judges. And, you know, the biggest thing as well, you know, it's a real crowd-orientated sport as well. Um, mm. You know, I'm, I'm known for putting on a big show for the crowd. I've been around burnouts my whole life. Yeah. You know, the car scene... You know, I love putting on a show for people, and that's why I do drifting. And um, yeah, you know, like it's sort of I can talk for ages about you know what's cool about drifting and what why it's so different. And um, yeah, it's just more that support you get from everybody. You know, everybody in the pits. You know, there's obviously teams that are quiet. You know, they stick to their own selves and whatnot, just like any sport. But drifting is a massive community, and when something goes wrong, they're always there to lend a hand. Um, Island especially. Um, yeah, people were just throwing parts at us. People were even throwing me keys to their cars, like yeah. take my car out, um, you know, stuff like that. And that's what that's what's cool about the sport, definitely. Yeah, look, I mean, on, it's not in the notes here, but one one thing that I do want to ask you then is, and I like to ask a lot of our guests this question: future of drifting. We'll we'll keep it to just Australia, and maybe in particular Western Australia. Where do you see it going, and and how will we get there? Question without notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, anybody who watches drifting, I feel like loves drifting. Um, I've never shown someone a video of drifting, and the worst thing I've ever got is, "What? Why would you want to go waste your tyres?" Um, that's the only negative feedback I ever hear about drifting. Um, you know, I sort of the best way to explain it to some people is is if you went to a rally event, you always see the crowd stand around the slipperiest corner or mm. the craziest corner. If you could go to all those people that love rally and that that sort of stuff. If you could show them, what if you come to an event where they do this on a tarmac road, you see smoke, you can smell the smoke, you can hear crazy cars, see crazy cars, and you can watch them go do a crazy lap all in one sitting and watch you know, a 40-second run, I think all those people would jump at it. And then when you tell them as well, what about if you want to see them go side by side into there too? You know, like I said, there's not one person in this world I don't think that if they saw drifting, they'd dislike it. No, certainly um, not. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. yeah, so, and the biggest thing is just expressing and getting that message across to people that don't know the sport. Mm. Um, you know, drifting's only been around for a short amount of time compared to other motorsports, and it's definitely a growing sport. Um, every year it gets bigger and bigger. 
Um, because like I said, you know, no one knows the sport, unfortunately, and it's just trying to get that out. And I know a lot of people in Australia are trying. There's been a couple of series tried and failed, unfortunately. Um, but still plenty of series are still trying to keep it going. Um, there's always been drifting here in Perth. Um, since I started, there was drifting, drifting events before I started. Um, that's definitely risen and gotten better over time. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm very grateful for the support I've got to be able to compete for the last, you know, eight years that I have. Um, yep. Or I haven't competed for eight years, but I've competed actively for the last four years and won those four championships. And, um, you know, to be a part of that and help grow the sport and obviously what I'm learning overseas and bringing that back. We used to work really close with D1WA. Um, you know, bringing the sort of stuff in that other events have from around the world to try and make the events here better. Obviously as well, you know, the bigger series have got live streams now, so sort of everybody's just learning off each other and making it better and working yeah. together. And former yeah. Drifter actually corresponding and working with um, IDC, BDC and Driftmasters. So now that they're all sort of as one, you know, they can sort of help each other, pick each other up um, mm. and, you know, pick up the things where, you know, if they're not succeeding as much, they can show them a better way. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I think, you know, drifting is definitely a big sport. And like I said, if soon as people can see that, then whatever way we've got to do to get that out, I think they'll love it. Yeah. Look, I know a friend of the podcast, Jared, Jared Mack and DJ as well, they got the Department of Drift. I know you've been on that podcast as well. They're good mm-hmm. friends. They'll be listening to this as well. They're, they're, the other podcast has just come out the other day and where they came first, we came second and uh, Adam and um, Simon came third. But I know that those, Jared, especially people like J-Mac, he's got you know a me- bit of a media flair about him. Um, they're certainly the right guys to be pushing the drift. Um, but yeah, I think it's something that collectively as a, as a motoring community and I really enjoy actually watching it. My kids love it as well. Uh, they're not particularly drift fans, but they they love the excitement of drifting, the noise, the sound, the smoke. Whenever they're at the V8 supercars uh, after the event, normally we hang around, wait for the drifting because they love it. It's it's, mm. it's awesome. You know, I think um, you know it's a definitely a new age sport. You know, I mean, for me, when I was young, um, well, I mean, I still am young, but when I was really young, I um, you're still young. You yeah. best believe me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, I used to um, play video games a lot. Yeah. And, you know, most video games these days, it's all about burnout, sliding a car, rally, stuff like that. Um, you know, not saying that older generation doesn't do those things and never like those things, but it was never, I say drifting was never around back in the day when that stuff was a thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, you always like, look at the streets these days, there's burnout marks everywhere and stuff. Mm. Like, it wasn't this bad when it was when, when you know, in a time a long time ago. And, um, yeah, I just think... You know, any new new person that can visually see the sport, like I just said earlier, um, like I say, I've never heard one negative comment about what drifting is and what it's about. Um, and like I said, it grabs your attention straight away. Why wouldn't it? You know, mm. it's pretty crazy seeing a car at some tracks go, you know, 200 k's plus sideways into a corner. Sure. Yeah. And especially when you add another car next to it side by side. Mm. And with the level of competition it is these days that have been actually live stream, you know, they're inches away from each other at crazy speeds, angles, yeah. and smoke and power and. You know, it's sort of like, yeah, it's like, like Formula Drift is drag car style engines made to last longer than 10 seconds down the strip or five mm. seconds down the strip. You know, they're, you know, they're sitting on song for 30 seconds each run and you do two runs in a competition battle and you're side by side with another car. So mm. why wouldn't the sound and smoke and crazy stuff that's happening on track be, you know, appealing to um, spectators or fans, you know? Yeah. So. No. 
Hey, we need to take another break, but we'll be back right after this with more from Mitch Lana. All right, welcome back to the Talk and Power podcast on 88.5 FM where the valley comes alive. I'm here with Mitch Lano, our host, Drift Sensation, and Todd Brinkworth as well, Podcast Sensation. Todd. I wouldn't go that far just yet, but we're getting there. Working on it, Todd, working on it. So, uh, Mitch, um, roll call of cars. What, what's where and what do you have at the moment? Um, so, my... Uh, second ever drift car, my 34, is still around. Um, I don't think I'll ever get rid of that car, to be honest. I know I've advertised it a few times just for desperate times, and obviously where I, with the budgets needed for Formula Drift, I did advertise it for, to some people, an unrealistic price, but to me, there's no point selling it for any less because what's it worth for selling it for nothing? Um, uh, so, yeah, so I've got my 34. Sorry, can I just interrupt you now? I have to say, that's the car you got on video. It's going backwards into a corner. Yeah, yeah I do that with all my cars. But, yeah, that, that, there's lots of videos of my 34 going backwards. But Now, for those of you that are listening that don't understand, what he's not... Mitch isn't going in reverse into the corner. He's going forward in a forwards motion, gets it into a drift. That How would you say? A backwards in, entry. Backwards entry, yeah. sorry. There you go. So it's at an aggressive angle that the back of the car is actually leading into the corner. Yeah. Correct me if I'm, yeah, yeah, so, and that just looks crazy. Had like 200 k as well. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, yeah, to cut you off, but I love talking about that. I love watching that video. I watched it again the other night. And I just love it. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so I've won the uh, four championships in that car and over 25 podiums in that car. So like I say it's got a lot of um, history in that car. That's why I don't think I'll ever get rid of it. But yeah. Um, other than that, I um, have got my car in Ireland still, um, sort of just sleeping away in the trailer that we've got over there um, until we can get some funding and some budget. Um, we will eventually come back um, or do something with it right now. Don't really know what we're going to do with it just yet, but um, yeah, we'll just uh, keep playing it by ear, keep working hard to get sponsors, and then hopefully we can get back there again. Um, yeah. So they're the main two, really. Um, I know I sold the Corolla, but... It's still in arm's reach when I get the funding and the money to be able to get it back. Okay. Um, the guy that's got it now has actually got um, some plans to keep progressing with the car. He doesn't actually want to drive it right now. Um, so that'll be getting a full welding cage and stuff like that. So the offer's always there for me to buy it back. So when I can get that back, once I get some money, um, yeah, that will be a cool car to sort of keep in the shed and um, try and uh, keep, you know, building that platform and progressing with something completely different to what other people normally commonly go with. Um, yeah, like I just, for those that don't know what it is, it's a K70 Corolla um, with a LS1 um, fully built motor with cam heads making about 440 horsepower. But the craziest part about it, it runs all S13, so Sylvia um, running gear, um, front and rear subframe, fully custom chassis to make the subframes work with the independent IRS rear end. Um, yeah, so front and rear, so it's just a crazy car. It's sort of like that's why it was called Franco, you know, short from Frankenstein. <laughs> um, it looked a bit silly, but went unreal. Um, and yeah, so it was a bit of a bummer to sell that car, but you know, I say it's in good hands and the availability is there to buy it back. So when I can, I will. Yeah. And um, yeah, hopefully keep coming with it. But other than that, I've got a couple of little project stuff on the side which I want to eventually get to. I've got a VL as well. Gonzo's actually built me a box for it. So, okay. Um, yep. 
Well, Simon, sorry, the co-host for the no, show. Yeah, um, Gonzo, we call him Gonzo as well. It's all right. uh, okay. Everyone calls yep. him Gonzo. Yeah, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I've got a VL. Um, my burnout car, the R32 I used to have um, with the RB, I kept the running gear out of that and sold the shell and all the parts off it. And, um, yeah, it was eventually meant to go into a VL, but with how busy I am and the time frame and stuff like that, um, and budget, obviously, uh, that car's just sitting there for now. But... Mm. When, same thing, when I get some time and money, that, that will all come about. Yeah, yep. Look, I guess one of our... I've, I've written down here, like, I've put Super 2s in. That doesn't need to necessarily... But do you have any plans in going sideways rather than dr- concentrating on drifting, doing some other form of motorsport or...? Um, yeah, so, like, I love doing every form of motorsport. Like I said earlier in the podcast, um, you know, my family is very... Uh, motorsport orientated um, always have been even before I was around um, you know I love getting in a go-kart love um, drifting love circuit racing love drag racing love everything mm. um, it's not really a motorsport I don't enjoy um, but same thing like anything you know it all comes down to budget and what do you do do you spend your money on doing everything or do you focus on one thing yeah yep. same as anything in life really you know if you focus on too many things and you're not really going to be the best at one thing you're going to be you know the average across all planes so um for me drifting's my main focus um while i do love driving and i do try to do other things um yeah like if the opportunity was there i would definitely take it i have looked into like doing um like the v8 driver search and supercar search and stuff like that but same thing it all costs money so yeah hopefully one day i'll meet someone that can offer me a, a deal i can't resist and i can go for a drive in something different but yeah for now my money will be being, being spent on uh, drifting yeah and that's the sad thing that i that i can identify with you mitch is that you've got talent you've got more talent than i have that i could ever possibly dream of <laughs> and, and that's the real sad thing is that i can see that in you there's there's a lot of potential because to throw a car like that backwards into a corner there's not something that i can do and i wouldn't even dream of doing it but and that's what really frustrates me to a certain extent is this fact that you're here right now and not not being able to to, to take this further right now so that's one, one of our call outs for the, and the idea of having you on the podcast how can what can our listeners do or is there somewhere where they can contact you or what do you need to take it to the next step apart apart from money or is there some sort of sponsorship deal that you would need or um well i say you know my limitation um is sort of is is just down to money you know Mm. the sky's the limit for everybody um like i said uh, i'd love to do every form of motorsport so i don't think an unlimited bank account would probably even be enough you know i'd love to drive every single day every single weekend just like anybody would that would that you know has interest in motorsport um, but for drifting, yeah, I think the same thing. It just honestly comes down to budget. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's obviously companies out there that um, can support with products. I mean, even, you know, I've seen deals with energy drink companies where they only supply them energy drinks, but they can do what they wish with the drinks so they can sell them at the track or do whatever, you know. Okay, yeah. Side little profit, stuff like that. I've yep. seen that before. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be energy drinks. It can be anything. It can be car cleaning products, whatever. Mm. Um but the biggest thing for me when it comes to sponsors is, you know, a lot of people sort of treat every single sponsor the same. I've never been like that. Um, that's why I think the sponsors I've actually gained, I've still got. Um, the only sponsor I haven't kept is my Zestino sponsorship, which obviously I'm not competing there this year, so that's why I don't have them. Yeah. Um, 
but I've had double performance for the whole eight years, lost racing for the whole eight years. Um, I had rap and crushing for many, many years. Um, and, you know, every other single, uh, every other person that's contributed, it's never, you know, fallen off or died mm. off or the doors yep. closed. Um, and I think it's just because I treat every every response differently. Um, I like to work with them individually. I want to help, you know. And you can put your hand out and ask for money, but what does that give them? Yeah, um, yep. You know, you've got to have a working relationship. Um, you've got to obviously have goals for each other, not just for yourself because... I mean, yeah, sure, you might be able to meet a person one day that might just want to hand out money, but, um, yeah, I like I like to promote for people. I do a lot of uh, social um, networking with uh, Instagram, Facebook, stuff like that. I like making videos. I like giving stuff to the crowd. Um, so, yeah, like, there's all the little things. You know, I can do a lot for companies, I think, with the following mm. I've got. Yeah. You know, I've got 44,000 followers on Facebook. That's what I was just about to say. Your, your social media following is huge. I mean, it's, it's really big. You're up there with, like... You know, I don't know, Beyonce or someone. I, don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't say that much. <laughs> but yeah, your social following, your social media following is massive. I've I've seen that in Facebook and Instagram and and all that. So, where can people find you on if they if they haven't if they're not following you already? Please get on board and follow this man. Where can they find you? Um, so on Facebook, you can find me. Just type my name in, Mitch Lana, uh, L A R N E R. Um, It'll come up. Um, it'll be hashtag triple one at the end of it. That's my race um, profile. Then on Instagram, it's just Mitch Lana, one word. And um, even if you want to follow me on Snapchat, it's Mitch Lana on there as well. Um, yep. I post all my, um, obviously, my events, stuff I'm doing. I try and keep it frequently updated. Mm-hmm. Um, lately, I've been working with Instagram a lot more because I think that's going to be the way of the future. There's yep. too many ads and stuff on Facebook now. Yeah. Um, but also, as well, everybody loves just to see photos and videos and you know the sport we're doing capturing the amazing stuff we can do on a camera is definitely where we'll be uploading it so all my backwards entries and crazy driving and smashing into people and stuff like that at the track it all goes on instagram yeah um but yeah the main thing is if you want to join my program or get in contact with us or even just say hello or send some photos or ask for advice or anything like that you can contact me on uh mitchlinerdrift111 at gmail.com yeah okay all right all right mitch well look we'll Unless there's anyone else, that, oh, yeah, I guess you need to thank some sponsors and some people that got you here. So, yep, far away. Yep. So I just want to obviously say a big thank you to my mum and dad. Um, you know, they've been a big part of this. Well, you know, there's a lot of stresses behind the scenes that nobody ever seen uh, seems to see. Um, like anything in life, anything you do, um, you know, what you can show on Facebook and social media um you can never show the negatives you can only show the positives yeah and it doesn't you never capture the hard part i mean even just before going to america we um had dramas with my passport and visa and stuff like that and people didn't see the stresses we actually went through to get to america Mm. um but anyway yeah like i say there's obviously a lot of dramas in and outs that people don't know about but yeah they've been massive supporters since the beginning so yeah just them uh, my family my friends my partner um and you know like i said like you can't be anywhere without your sponsors um yeah. so yeah double performance lost racing products they've been like i say since the beginning they supplied all my fittings for all my cars um speedway fittings that is um all the fuel lines anything they can do to help they've always helped even even funding some stuff as well they've helped um you know even my previous sponsors as well you know i can't you know, even though I might not be working with some of them now, I still, I'm still grateful for their help yeah. because I still wouldn't have been able to do it without them. Um, 
but yeah, and obviously my fans, well, you know, the biggest things are my mm. fans because without them, you know, I probably wouldn't be doing it. So, yeah. and like I said, Wayne for putting you guys onto me. In yeah, the Wayne. First place. That's just, it just <laughs> yeah. came into my head there, Wayne as well. <laughs> Wayne, Wayne Pratt. He he always listens to Wayne. Yeah. So thanks to Wayne. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. You know, there's a lot of people out there that support me. That you know, and people don't realise that I am only a privateer team. I see who likes my stuff. I see who comments on my stuff, and I see who doesn't like my stuff. Mm. And, um, yeah, I say I'm a very interactive person with who follows me, what I do. You know, I haven't let it get to my head, and I appreciate everybody that follows me and supports me. Yep. I mean, even the – I do go back through the live streams and stuff like that, and I do see who comments on it and stuff like that. So mm. I really appreciate all the support I get. And the more support I can get, the more grateful I'll be, and the yeah. more I'll try and produce for everybody as well. So hopefully we can gain some new followers and some new sponsors, and we can keep pushing and putting on a show for everybody. Certainly. And obviously, I want to thank you guys for allowing me to come on the show. And um, oh, it's, our, <laughs> it's, it's our pleasure, uh, Mitch. We, we 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 talked about it a couple of weeks ago, and I said, "Yeah, we got to make that happen." Because yep. with everything that happened in the US, we thought, "Yeah, we have to get you back." So no, we really appreciate it. No, thank you. At least you guys could show up, and Gonzo didn't. But that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that song? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but no, no, I appreciate it, guys. And, and Todd just wanted to mention he's got a one eighty at home doing nothing and he wants to learn how to drift you're the man i'm the man yeah show this man how to drift yeah yeah i can show you guys how to drift right. no no not me <laughs> <laughs> oh, apparently i'm the crash test i mean i mean i'm the dummy but we knew that already <laughs> no yeah no, like i say um you know i'm extremely grateful for everything you guys have done to help try and uh, push my name and stuff like that and obviously having me a part of the show so maybe one day we can organize a private hire and we'll get all three of you up there no, that sounds good. And we can yeah. all try and get some laps and, um, yeah, just show you guys what it's really like, you know, first hand in the car and um, maybe we can organise some raffles for some lucky fans and followers yeah. on here as well. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll work something out. I don't know about going backwards into the corner. I'll leave that for Todd. Oh, yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that was Mitch Lana. Thanks very much, Mitch. Thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it and for joining us on the podcast and 88.5 FM. Oh, that was Mitch Lana that came in, and we really appreciate Mitch coming in. That was really, you know, like I said to you earlier there, Todd, just frustrating to see someone with so much talent just really want to see him get a full-time gig. Yeah, me as well. So, Speaking of full-time, V8 Supercars, we're in Perth. Um, Mustang rear wing. Elephant in the, let's, get, let, let's just get the elephant in the room. There it is over there. Get out of here. Let's just get it over and done. We've we've a lot of people been probably tuned into the podcast that want us to talk about the elephant in the room. We had a discussion on it on social media on our Facebook page, and there's very passionate people replying and giving their opinions on the rear wing change. So if you haven't heard, the Mustang for the Perth round will have a rear wing alteration done to it. Nothing too major. Uh, even though it met uh, parity rules at the start of the year, uh, they feel the governing body feels that it gives into the car an advantage. Given the fact that it's won all the races, it would probably be, except for one, it would be probably hard to disagree with that. Yep. That said, it did comply at the time. So, you know, I personally have a philosophical 
view on the situation I'm just gonna keep that to myself no I won't I'll say it here I believe if the car did comply with the rules I don't see why they have to change it exactly and um, I'm sorry what is a little tweak to the wing gonna do at this point in time and it is marginal yeah I'm not into aerodynamics but from what I can understand of the word it ain't gonna do much I don't know. Uh, the Speed Cafe had a drawing of it. It's look, look a change there, but you know, all will be revealed in the coming races, no doubt. Not just not just the Perth round, but you know, moving forward, I think we'll see a lot more change. Speaking of being opinionated, Russell Ingle. I tell you what, I didn't notice his departure from Fox. To be honest with you, um, however, I since have. Him and uh, Paul Morris have started up a TV show on Facebook called Bench Racing. And in episode one, I'll tell you what, Russell did not leave any doubt that he is majorly annoyed, frustrated, and disappointed, I don't know what the word is, with his former employer, Foxtel. Not only that, not just Foxtel, but his former broadcasters. If you want, just go to Speed Cafe or go to Facebook. You can... You can watch the whole episode there, bench racing, and I'll tell you what, he he takes a swipe at just about everyone, even the racers, follow, uh, fellow race guys are still racing, has a, has a sledge at them for not reaching out to him when he was sacked. The only person he did mention was uh, Greg Murphy and also Lee Holdsworth. They did reach out after he'd been sacked, but I'll tell you what, I have never heard such bitter feelings for their sacking to be honest well let's be honest uh mark scaife him and uh ingle were never the best of friends no they weren't but i would have thought that crompo you know might have reached out lounsey as well anyway you know lounsey's sort of come in i guess he's the storm in the teacup really yeah 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 yeah, yeah, certainly is but i just thought it was quite interesting also interesting to see this is sort of a new form of i guess what would you call it todd but new form of entertainment that we're seeing in the motorsport scene we've saw i mean we kicked our podcast off two years ago now almost over two years ago to be honest um and we had we had the the video going for a little while there i haven't done it since we moved to the purpose-built studio we haven't we haven't had the video going here but we'll, we'll get that up and running shortly i've just got to get the cameras right and the angles right but we also saw the debut of the motorsport show as well uh gerald mcnerland uh, doing that one as well. Um, look, I mean, it's it's an emerging field in media, motor motorsport yeah. media. It'd be interesting to see how the Ingle one and Paul Morris one goes. I mean, they're notable guys. So is Gerald as well. Quite a notable uh, motoring uh, journalist, along with Phil as well, his co-partner there. So it'd be interesting to see how those guys go. But it's just an interesting to see this um, uh, evolving. Speaking of media as well. Got a media pass for the V8 supercar, so I'll be over there in Barbagello. Can't wait for that. That'll be happening as we speak. Um, what else is happening here? We've got a wind-up here of the 400 Thunder. That's right, the 400 Thunder Good Friday event, which was held, funnily enough, on Good Friday. Excuse me while I get to my notes. I should be more prepared than this. Yeah, it was the... 400 Thunder, Super Thunder on Good Friday. Now, this was the event that Top Fuel pulled out of uh, due to safety concerns. I'm not going to get into that because I don't know the ins and outs of it, except for the fact that the Top Fuel teams pulled out because they weren't 
this was at Willowbank, and they were concerned that the safety net still hadn't been uh, remedied or repaired. So um, they had pulled out and they weren't racing at this event. Uh, it left the main show with pro alcohol, pro stock and top bike sharing the spotlight. Unfortunately, this event was rained out. The, well, sorry, I shouldn't say rained out, but the finals were rained out. Um, so it was the all run format. So none of the, the finals got to, got to be run. So look, sad to hear that happen. Uh, never mind, they will be back at the Gulf Western Nitro Thunder from Sydney. Now, big shout out to Paul Mahoyet. Um He went a 560 at 255 mile an hour on the weekend for, at, at Sydney testing for this event. So Paul has got the A game on. That is uh, record time. That is that would that would be if he was able to back that up at an event. That would be the new national record for Pro Slammer. 560 255 so i guess the warning shots have been fired and it's interesting to see these guys come out and test and lay this time down so it'll be be really i'm really curious to see how these guys go in this upcoming event the golf western nitro thunder from sydney also street machine drag challenge that's coming up as well that's a huge event it's the drag challenge weekend it's different to their normal event so this will go from uh willowbank off to warwick and then back to willowbank so looking forward to seeing the results on that um what else have we got going on here todd four wide sorry okay right so Okay, people will know we're legit because I'm fumbling around with papers here. So NHRA Four Wild at Charlotte. Uh, so normally in drag racing, as I said, we have we have two cars that go into the final. This track is four four wide, so they have four finalists. Uh, Stevie Fast Jackson in Pro Mod actually came fourth. Um, the winner was Mike Janis. So we had talking about parity, um, like we did just moments ago. Uh, Mike Janis was the winner. Blown car. Runner-up, Ricky Smith, nitrous car. Erica Enders. I love Erica. She's great for the sport, and it's I'm really glad she made it to the final. Turbo car. And Stevie Fast Jackson, blown car. So we had two blown cars and one nitrous, one turbo. So parity issues, not on the table. If, if, if our co-host was here, this would be another... 20 minute discussion about how i'm wrong <laughs> i'm trying to channel my inner simon right now but i can't okay so we'll come back to this hey it's 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 working but no he he would vehemently disagree and say nick nah it's the 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 blown cars have still got too much weight or need more overdrive it's hard to argue when four, two of them made it to the final. So anyway, we'll leave it at that. But I think the parody is working well over there at NHRA. And I think there's been a little bit of chat about the parody over there. But I think it's it's working. As I said, we had nitrous, turbo, and two blown cars in the final. I think that's great for the sport of NHRA. And it's good to see Stevie Fast. He's really getting some momentum. Um as he goes through the final, I know he came fourth there, but it's still great to see that he's going well. And Erica Enders, as I mentioned before, not to repeat myself, but it's really great to see her going well in pro mod because um, she has got enormous talent, enormous talent. All right, Todd, just to finish up. We've got what? a couple of quick points. to just. Couple of, you got you got three minutes. Okay, I've got three minutes. Um, got three. Uh, 
firstly... Um, so Arthur's, noble of me. Yeah, thank you. After some conversation we had uh, last when Simon was in the room with us, uh, he was mentioning the coverage of local events, so to speak. Yeah. Um, something interesting that's popped up today is that uh, Channel 10 is getting the WRC back. Now, that's inter- that is an interesting thing. I... Obviously, with their new ownership, CBS, who took it over, when was it, a year ago or two years ago now? I can't even remember. Um, I don't think motorsport has been their focus, I'll be honest with you. No. Um, a lot of that had was due to the fact that I still think, or not, I'm led to believe that they still owe Formula One a lot of money. Possibly. Well, when CBS took it over, they didn't take the debt on. Ah, uh, I see. So that's why Formula One is no longer shown on. I could be wrong. I could be incorrect, but I'm led to believe that the CBS didn't take that debt on. Um, so it's interesting to see that they saw growth in um, or have identified that WRC is of reasonable value to yeah. go out and get. So that's great to hear for the sport. No, it is. So um, the only... Uh disappointing thing is in the sort of um, same conversation topics at the moment is the uh, rally of Coffs Harper could be in doubt, which is a WRC round. It's an Australian round, it's a WRC round. There's talk of it going to New Zealand, um, which has not had a round for a year or so, I believe, off the top of my head. I don't have my notes in front of me up to order. So, look, just going to say it. As a rally fan, and uh, we've had this conversation in the past, um, bring it back to Perth. Um, if anyone listens to this, um, please reach out to us politely and tell me why it's not that easy. But I know a lot of the drivers at the time still miss Perth. We had a unique setup, we had unique gravel. Bring it back. I mean, what did we get out of it? We got a Red Bull Air Race. Where is that? Yeah, look, I don't think. I think the discussion needs to be had with your local member of, of parliament. And when I say that, I mean your state local member. Rita might be a good person to reach out to. Rita Safiotti, that is. And I know she's not tourism, but she sits in the swan swan seat. And I think there would be a number of local members we should be reaching out to. Um, unfortunately, a lot of money in WA motorsport seems to be allocated to I'm not sure what it's allocated to, to be frank, but it's it, we do need to get something like that back. I'm not I'm not completely against that at all, and I think I'm I'm with you 100%. I think we need to get a motorsport event of the World Rally Championship or that level back into Australia. And I felt that the World Rally Championship was within the realm of of being achievable for Western Australia. I think Formula One, a bit tough. MotoGP. Yeah. We don't, no, not no. possible. But WRC, we have some of the greatest, most scenic roads and, and tracks in regional Western Australia that lend itself to that sort of event. And so. our gravel. Our gravel is one of a kind in the world. Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's Western Australia. That is one of a kind. Yeah. All right, Todd, look, thank you for coming in. Uh, much appreciated. And big thanks to Mitch Lana for coming in as well. It was great to have him here. Uh, get on board, follow him at Instagram. It's Mitch Lana, one word. And over at Facebook, it is Mitch Lana, triple one. Get over there and follow him there. All right, Todd, thanks for coming in. We'll wind this one up and we'll see you soon. And all right, thanks, Nick. See you on the street. Take care. Talk and Power, your motorsport and motoring radio show. 
now on 88.5 FM, The Valley Comes Alive, and podcasting across iTunes and talkandpower.com.au.